Industrial Revolution by Paul Anderson, Part 4. Jung explained in a few harsh words. Oh, Ellen gasped. She went to Blades and laid her hands on his shoulder. My poor Mike. After a moment, she looked at the others. I should report back, of course, she said, but I won't be able to before the ship accelerates, so I'll have to stay with you till afterward. Miss Page, we left about half a bottle of wine on the veranda. I think it would be a good idea if you went and got it, Avis bridled. And why not you? This is no time for personalities, Jung said. Go on, Avis. You can be thinking what records and other paper we should take while you're on your way. I've got to organize the evacuation. As for Miss Ziska, well, Mike needs somebody to pull him out of his dive. Her? Avis wailed and fled. Jung sat down and flipped his endercom to phone central. Get me Captain Yenichevsky aboard the palace, he ordered. Hello, Adam? About that general alarm? Blades raised a haggard countenance toward Ellen's. You better clear out, along with the women and any men who don't want to stay, he said. But I think most of them will take the chance. They're on a profit-sharing scheme. They stand to lose too much if the place is ruined. What do you mean? It's a gamble, but I don't believe Hulse's sealed orders extend to murder. If enough of us stay put, they'll have to catch that thing. He jolly well knows its exact trajectory. You forget we're under martial law, Jung said aside to him. If we don't go freely, he'll land some PPs and march us off at gunpoint. There isn't any choice. We've had the course. I don't understand, Ellen said shakily. Jung went back to his intercom. Blades fumbled out his pipe and rolled it empty between his hands. That missile was shot off on purpose, he said. What? No, you must be sick. That's impossible. I realize you didn't know about it. Only three or four officers have been told. The job had to be done very, very secretly, or there'd be a scandal, maybe an impeachment. But it's still sabotage. She shrank from him. You're not making sense. Their own story doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. A new missile system wouldn't be sent on a field trial clear to the belt before it had had enough tests closer to home to get the worst bugs out. A warhead missile wouldn't be stashed anywhere near something so unreliable, let alone be put under its control. The testing ship wouldn't hang round a civilian station while her gunnery chief tinkered, and Hulse, Warburton, Liebknecht, they were asking in such detail about how radiation-proof we are. I can't believe it. Nobody will. Not back home. Communication with Earth is so sparse and garbled. The public will only know there was an accident. We'll give a hoot about the details. We couldn't even prove anything in an asteroid court. The Navy would say classified information, and that'd stop the proceedings cold. Sure, there'll be a board of inquiry, composed of naval officers, probably honorable men, too. But what are they going to believe? The sworn word of the Goddard House colleague or the rantings of an asteroid bum? Mike, I know this is terrible for you, but you've let it go to your head. Ellen laid a hand over his. Suppose the worst happens. You'll be compensated for your loss. Yeah, to the extent of our personal investment. The Bank of Surrey still has nearly all the money that was put in. We didn't figure to have them paid off for another ten years. They, or their insurance carrier, will get the indemnity. And after our fiasco, they won't make us a new loan. They were just barely talked into it the first time around. I dare say systemic developments will make them a nice, juicy offer to take this job over. Ellen colored. She stamped her foot. You're talking like a paranoiac. 
Do you really believe the government of North America would send a battleship clear out here to do you dirt? Not the whole government. A few men in the white positions is all that's necessary. I don't know if Hulse was bribed or talked into this, but probably he agreed as a duty. He's the prim type. A duty? To destroy a North American business? Jung finished at the intercom in time to answer, Not permanent physical destruction, Miss Siska. As Mike suggested, some corporation will doubtless inherit the sword and repair the damage. But a private, purely asteroid business. Yes, I'm afraid Mike's right. We are the target. In mercy's name, why? From the highest motives, of course, Jung sneered bitterly. You know what the Social Justice Party thinks of private capitalism. What's more important, though, is that the sword is the first belt undertaking not tied to Mother Earth's apron strings. We have no commitments to anybody back there. We can sell our output wherever we like. It's notorious that the asteroids are itching to build up their own self-sufficient industries. Quite apart from sentiment, we can make bigger profits in the belt than back home, especially when you figure the cost of sending stuff in and out of Earth's gravitational well, so certainly we'd be doing most of our business out here. Our charter can't simply be revoked. First, a good many laws would have to be revised, and that's politically impossible. There is still a lot of individualist sentiment in North America, as witness the fact that businesses do get launched and that SJs did have a hard campaign to get elected. What the new government wants is something like the 18th century English policy toward America. Keep the colonies as a source of raw materials and as a market for manufactured goods, but don't let them develop a domestic industry. You can't come right out and say that, but you can let the situation develop naturally. Only, here the sword is obviously bound to grow rich and expand in every direction. If we're allowed to develop, to reinvest our profits, we'll become the nucleus of independent asteroid enterprise. If, on the other hand, we're wiped out by an unfortunate accident, there's no nucleus, and a small change in the banking laws is all that's needed to prevent others from getting started. QED. I dare say Hulse does think he's doing his patriotic duty, said Blades. He wants to guarantee North America our natural resources in the long run, maybe our allegiance, if he has to commit sabotage too bad, but it won't cost him any sleep. No! Alan almost screamed. Jung sagged in his chair. We're very neatly trapped, he said like an old man. I don't see any way out. Think you can go work now, Mike? You can assign group leaders for the evacuation. Blades jumped erect. I can fight, he growled. With what? Can openers? You mean you're going to lie down and let them break us? Avis came back. She thrust the bottle into Blades' hands as he paced the room. Here you are, she said in a distant voice. He held it toward Ellen. Have some, he invited. Not with you. You're subversive. Avis brightened noticeably, took the bottle and raised it. Then here's to victory, she said drank, and passed it to Blades. He started to gulp, but the wine was too noble, and he found himself savouring its chorus down his throat. Why, he thought vaguely, do people always speak with scorn about Dutch courage? The Dutch have real guts. They fought themselves free of Spain and free of the ocean itself. When the French or Germans came, they made the enemy see their ally. The battle fell from his grasp. In the weak acceleration, it had hit the floor when Avis rescued it. Give me that, you butterfingers, she exclaimed. A free hand clasped his arm. Whatever happens, Mike, she said to him, we're not quitting. Still, Blade stared beyond her. His fists clenched and unclenched. 
The noise of his breathing filled the room. Jung looked around in bewilderment. Ellen watched with waxing horror. Avis's eyes kindled. Holy smoking seagull, Blaze whispered at last. I really think we can swing it. Captain Yanichevsky recoiled. You're out of your skull. Probably, said Blaze. Fun, huh? You can't do this. We can try. Do you know what you're talking about? Insurrection, that's what. Quite likely piracy. Even if your scheme worked, you'd spend the next ten years in rehab, at least. Maybe, provided the matter ever came to trial. But it won't. That's what you think. You're asking me to compound the felony and to misappropriate the property of my owners to put. Sorry, Mike. I'm sorry as hell about this mess. They won't be party to making it worse. In other words, Blaze replied, you'd rather be party to sabotage. I'm proposing an act of legitimate self-defense. If it is actually a conspiracy to destroy the station. Adam, you're a spaceman. You know how the Navy operates. Can you swallow that story about a missile getting loose by accident? Yanachevsky bit his lip. The sounds from outside filled the captain's cabin. Voices, footfalls, whirr of machines and clash of doors as the palace castle readied for departure. Blades waited. You may be right, said Yanachevsky at length, wretchedly. Though why Hulse should jeopardize his career? He's not. There's a scapegoat groomed back home, you can be sure, like some company that we debarred from military contracts for a while, and get nice fat orders and other filled. I've kicked around the system enough to know how that works. If you're wrong, though, if this is an honest blunder, then you risk committing treason. Yeah, I'll take the chance. Not I. No, I've got a family to support, Yanichevsky said. Blades regarded him bleakly. If the SJs get away with this stunt, what kind of life will your family be leading ten years from now? It's not simply that we'll be high-class peons in the belt, tied hand and foot to a short-sighted government. How much progress we'll be able to make? Our countries have colonies out here too, remember, and some of them are already giving their people a freer hand than we've got. Do you want the Asians, the Russians, or even the Europeans to take over the asteroids? I can't make policy. In other words, Mama knows best. Believe, obey, anything put out by some bureaucrat who never set foot beyond Luna. Is that your idea of citizenship? You're putting a mighty fine gloss on bailing yourself out. Yanishevsky fled. Sure, I'm no idealist, but neither am I a slave, Blades hesitated. We've been friends too long, Adam, for me to try bribing you. But if the worst comes to the worst, we'll cover for you. Somehow. And if contrarywise we win, then we'll soon be hiring captains for our own ships, and you'll get the best offer any spaceman ever got. No, Scram, I've got work to do. Blades braced himself. I didn't want to say this, but I've already informed a number of my men. They're as mad as I am. They're waiting in the terminal. A monkey wrench or a laser torch makes a pretty fair weapon. We can take over by force. That'll leave you legally in the clear. But with so many witnesses around, you'll have to prefer charges against us later on. Yanichevsky began to sweat. We'll be sent up, said Blade. But it'll still have been worth it. Is it really that important to you? Yes, I admit I'm no crusader, but this is a matter of principle. Yanichevsky stared at the big red-haired man for a long while. Suddenly he stiffened. Okay, on that account and no other, I'll go along with you. Blades wobbled on his feet, near collapse with relief. Good man, he croaked. But I will not have any of my officers or crew involved. Blades rallied and answered briskly. You needn't. Just issue orders that my boys would have access to the scoop ships. They can install the equipment, jockey the boats over to the full balloons, and even couple them on. 
Inichevsky's fears had vanished once he made his decision, but now a certain doubt registered. That's a pretty skilled job. He's a pretty skilled man. It isn't much of a manoeuvre, not like making a Jovian skydive. Well, okay, I'll take your word for their ability, but suppose the elder spots those boats moving around. She's already several hundred kilometres off and getting farther away, running a search curve which I'm betting my liberty and my honour. I certainly don't want to hurt my own country's navy. I'm betting that search curve is guaranteed not to find the missile in time. They'll spot the palace as you depart. Oh yes, our people will be aboard as per orders, but no finer detail will show in so casual an observation. Again, I'll take your word. What that's going to do to help? Nothing you weren't doing before. Leave the piratics to us. I'd better get back. Blades extended his hand. I haven't got the words to thank you, Adam. Yanachevsky accepted the shake. No reason for thanks. You dragooned me. A grin crossed his face. I must confess, though, I'm not sorry you did. Blades left. He found his gang in the terminal, two dozen engineers and rockjacks clumped tartly together. What's the word? Carlos Adeneu shouted. Clear track, Blades said. Go right ahead. Good, fine. I always want to do something vicious and destructive. Odeneu laughed. The idea is to prevent destruction, Blades reminded him and proceeded toward the office. Avis met him in corridor four. Her freckled countenance was distorted by a scowl. Hey, Mike, wait a minute, she said low and hurriedly. Have you seen Lazeska? The lieutenant? Why, no. I left her with you, remember, hoping you'd calm her down. Uh-huh. She was incandescent mad. Called us a pack of bandits, and, but then she started crying. Seemed to break down completely. I took her to your cabin and went back to help Jimmy. Only when I checked her a minute ago, she was gone. What? Where? How should I know? But that she-devil's capable of anything to wreck our chances. You're not being fair to her. She's got an oath to keep. All right, said Avis sweetly. Far be it for me to prevent her fulfilling her obligations. Afterwards, she may even write you an occasional letter. I'm sure that'll brighten your rehab cell no end. What can she do? Blades argued, with an uneasy sense of whistling in the dark. She can't get off the asteroid without a scooter, and I've already got Sam's gang working on all the scooters. Is there no other possibility? The radio shack? With a man on duty there, that's out. Blades patted the girl's arm. Okay, I'll get back to work, but I'll be so glad when this is over, Mike. Looking into the desperate brown eyes, Blades felt a sudden impulse to kiss their owner. But no, there was too much else to do. Later, perhaps. He cocked a thumb upward. Carry on. Too bad about Helen, he thought as he continued toward his office. What an awful waste to make a permanent enemy of someone with her kind of looks. And personality. Come off that stick, you clapperhead. She's probably the Marion type anyway. In her shoes, though, what would I do? Not much. I'd pinch my feet. But damnation, Avis is right. She's not safe to have running around loose. The radio shack? Sparks is not one of the few who's been told the whole story and co-opted into the plan. She could... Blades cursed, whirled, and ran. His way was clear. Most of the men were still in their dorms, preparing to leave. He travelled in huge, low-gravity leaps. The radio shack rose out of the surface near the veranda. Blades tried the door. It didn't budge. A chill went through him. He backed across the corridor and charged. The door was only plasterboard. He hit with a thud and a grunt and rebounded with a numbed shoulder. But it looked so easy for the cops on 3V. No time to figure out the delicate art of forcible entry. 
he hurled himself against the panel again and again, heedless of the pain that struck in flesh and bone. When the door finally splinteringly gave way, he stumbled clear across the room beyond, fetched up against an instrument console, recovered his balance, and gaped. The operator lay on the floor, swearing in a steady monotone. He had been efficiently bound with his own blouse and trousers, which revealed his predilection for maroon shorts with zebra stripes. There was a lump on the back of his head, and a hammer lay close by. Ellen must have stolen the tool and came in here with the thing behind her back. The operator would have had no reason to suspect her. She had not left the sender's chair, not even while the door was under attack. Only a carrier beam connected the sword with the altair. She continued doggedly to fumble with dials and switches, trying to modulate it and raise the ship. Praise it be. You haven't had advanced training in radio, Blade choked. That's a long-range set, pretty special system, he weaved toward her. Come along now. She spat an unladylike refusal. Theoretically, Blade should have enjoyed the tussle that followed, but he was in poor shape at the outset, and was a good deal worse off by the time he got her pinioned. Okay, he wheezed. Will you come quietly? She didn't deign to answer, unless you counted her butting him in the nose. He had to yell for help to frog-march her aboard ship. Palace Castle calling N.A.S.S. Altair. Come in, Altair. The great ovoid swung clear in space, among a million cold stars. The asteroid had dwindled out of sight. A radio beam flickered across emptiness. Within the hull, the crew and a hundred refugees sat jammed together. The air was thick with their breath and sweat and waiting. Blades and Jung, seated by the transmitter, felt another kind of thickness. The pull of the internal field. Earth normal weight dragged down every movement. The enclosed cabin began to feel suffocatingly small. We'd get used to it again pretty quickly, Blades thought. Our bodies would, that is, but our own selves, tied down to earth forever. No. The vision screen jumped to life. N.A.S.S. Altair acknowledging Palace Castle, said the uniformed figure within. Okay, Charlie, go outside and don't let anybody else enter, Jung told his own operator. The spaceman gave a quizzical glance, but obeyed. I wish to report that evacuation of the sword is now complete, Jung said formally. Very good, sir, the navy face replied. I'll inform my superiors. Wait, don't break off yet. We have to talk with your captain. Sir, I'll switch over to none of your damned chains of command, Blades interrupted. Get me Rear Admiral Hulse direct, toot sweet or I'll eat whatever fraction of you he leaves unchewed. This is an emergency. I've got to warn him from an immediate danger only he can deal with. The other stared, first at Jung's obvious exhaustion, then at the black eye and assorted bruises, scratches and bites that adorned Blade's visage. I'll put the message through Channel Red at once, sir, the screen blanked. Well, here we go, Jung said. I wonder how the food in rehab is these days. Want me to do the talking? Blades asked. Jung wasn't built for times as hectic as the last few hours, and was worn to a nubbin. He himself felt immensely keyed up. He'd always liked a good fight. Sure. Jung pulled a crumpled cigarette from his pocket and began to fill the cabin with smoke. You have a larger stock of rudeness than I. Presently the screen showed Hulse, rigid at his post on the bridge. Good day, gentlemen, he said. What's the trouble? 
Plenty, Blades answered. Clear everybody else out of there. Let your ship orbit free a while, and seal your circuit. Pulse reddened. Who do you think you are? Well, my birth certificate says Michael Joseph Blades. I've got some news for you concerning that top-secret gadget you told us about. You wouldn't want unauthorized personnel listening in. Pulse leaned forward till he seemed about to fall through the screen. What's this about a hazard? Fact. The Altair is in distinct danger of getting blown to bits. Have you gone crazy? Give me the captain of the palace. Very small bits. Pulse compressed his lips. All right, I'll listen to you for a short time. You had better make it worth my while. He spoke orders. Blade scratched his back while he waited for the bridge to be emptied and wondered if there was any chance of a hot shower in the near future. Done, said Hulse. Give me your report. Blades glanced at the telltale. You haven't sealed your circuit, Admiral. Hulse said angry words, but complied. Now will you talk? Sure, the secrecy is for your own protection. You risk court-martial otherwise. Hulse suppressed a retort. Okay, here's the word. Blades met the transmitted glare with an almost palpable crash of eyeballs. We decided, Mr. Jung and I, that any missile rig as haywire as yours represents a menace to navigation and public safety. If you can't control your own nuclear weapons, you shouldn't be at large. Our charter gives us local authority as peace officers, by virtue thereof, and so on and so forth. We ordered certain precautionary steps taken. As a result, if that warhead goes off, I'm sorry to say that NASS Altair will be destroyed. I you have you Hulse congealed. In spite of everything, he was a competent officer, Blades decided. Please explain yourself, he said without tone. Sure, Blades obliged. The station hasn't got any armament, but trusted the human race to jury rig that. We commandeered the scoop ships belonging to this vessel and loaded them with Jovian gas at maximum pressure. If your missile detonates, they'll dive on you. Something like amusement tinged Hulse's shocked expression. Do you seriously consider that a weapon? I seriously do. Let me explain. The ships are orbiting free right now, scattered through quite a large volume of space. Nobody's aboard them. What is aboard each one, though, is an autopilot taken from a scooter hooked into the drive controls. Each pilot has its sensors locked onto your ship. You can't maneuver fast enough to shake off radar beams and mass detectors. You're the target object, and there's nothing to tell those idiot computers to decelerate as they approach you. Of course no approach is being made yet. A switch has been put in every scooter circuit and left open. Only the meteorite evasion units are operative right now. That is, if anyone tried to lay alongside one of those scoop ships, it'd be detected and the ship would skitter away. Remember, a scoop ship hasn't much mass, and she does have engines designed for diving in and out of Jupe's gravitational well. She can out-accelerate either of our vessels, or any boat of yours, and out-dodge any of your missiles. You can't catch her. Hulse snorted. What's the significance of this farce? I said the autopilots are switched off at the moment, as far as heading for the target is concerned. But each of those switches is coupled to two other units. One is simply the sensor box. If you withdraw beyond a certain distance, the switches will close. That is, the pilots will be turned on if you try to go beyond range of the beams now locked onto you. The other unit we've installed in every boat is an ordinary two-for-a-dollar radiation meter. If a nuclear weapon goes off anywhere within a couple of thousand kilometers, the switches will also close. In either of those cases, the scoop ships will dive on you. 
You might knock out a few with missiles before they strike. Undoubtedly, you can punch holes in them with laser guns, but that won't do any good, except when you're lucky enough to hit a vital part. Nobody's aboard to be killed. Not even much gas will be lost in so short a time. So to summarize, chum, if that rogue missile explodes, your ship will be struck by ten to twenty scoop ships, each crammed full of concentrated Jovian air. They'll pierce that thin hull of yours, but since they're already pumped full beyond the margin of safety, the impact will split them open and the gas will whoosh out. Do you know what Jovian air does to substances like magnesium? You can probably save your crew, take to the boats and reach Commission Base, but your nice battleship will be ganz kaputt. Is your game worth that candle? You're totally insane, releasing such a thing. Oh, not permanently. There's one more switch on each boat, connected to the meteorite evasion unit, and controlled by a small battery. When those batteries run down, in about twenty hours, the pilots will be turned off completely. Then we can spot the scoop ships by radar and pick them up, and you'll be free to leave. Do you think for one instant your fantastic claim of acting illegally will stand up in court? No, probably not, but it won't have to. Obviously, you can't make anybody swallow your yarn if a second missile gets loose. And as for the first one, since it's failed in its purpose, your bosses aren't going to want the matter publicized. It'd embarrass them no end and serve no purpose except revenge on Jimmy and me, which there's no point in taking since the sword would still be privately owned. You check with Earth, Admiral, before shooting off your mouth. They'll tell you that both parties to this quarrel had better forget about legal action. Both will lose. So I'm afraid your only choice is to find that missile before it goes off. And yours? What are your alternatives? Thor had gone grey in the face, but he still spoke stoutly. Blades grinned at him. None whatsoever. We've burned our bridges. We can't do anything about those scoop ships now, so it's no use trying to scare us or arrest us or whatever else may occur to you. What we've done is establish an automatic deterrent. Against an, an attempt at sabotage that only exists in your imagination. Blade shrugged. That argument isn't relevant any longer. I do believe the missile was released deliberately. We wouldn't have done what we did otherwise. But there's no longer any point in making charges and denials. You'd just better retrieve the thing. Hulse squared his shoulders. How do I know you're telling the truth? Well, you can send a man to the station. He'll find the scooters lying gutted. Send another man over here to the palace. He'll find the scoop ships gone. I also took a few photographs of the autopilots being installed and the ships being cast adrift. Go right ahead. However, may I remind you that the fewer people who have an inkling of this little intrigue, the better for all concerned. Hulse opened his mouth, shut it again, stared from side to side, and finally slumped the barest bit. Very well, he said biting off the words, syllable by syllable. I can't risk a ship of the line. Of course, since the rogue is still farther away than your deterrent allows the Altair to go, you shall have to wait in space a while. I don't mind. I shall report the full story to my superiors at home. But unofficially, good. I'd like them to know that we asteroids have teeth. Signing off, then, Jung stirred. Wait a bit, he said. We have one of your people aboard, Lieutenant Zesker. Can you send a gig for her? She didn't collaborate with us, Blades added. You can see the evidence of loyalty all over my mug. 
Good girl, Huss exclaimed savagely. Yes, I'll send a boat. Signing off. The screen blanked. Jung and Blades let out a long, ragged breath. They sat a while, trembling, before Jung muttered, That skunk as good as admitted everything. Sure, said Blades, but we won't have any more trouble from him. Jung stubbed out his cigarette. Poise was returning to both men. There could be other attempts, though, in the next few years, he scowled. I think we should arm the station, a couple of laser guns, if nothing else. We can say it's for protection in case of war, but it'll make our own government handle us more carefully, too. Well, you can approach the commission about it. Blades yawned and stretched, trying to loosen his muscles. But you can allow for the owners and supervisors to sign your petition, though. The next order of business came to his mind. He rose. Why didn't you tell Adam the good news? Where are you bound? To let Ellen know the fight is over. Is it, as far as she's concerned? That's what I'm afraid to find out. Hope I won't need an armored escort. Blades went away from the cubicle, past the watchful radio man, and down the deserted passageway beyond. The cabin given her lay at the end, locked from outside. The key hung magnetically on the bulkhead. Blades unlocked the door and tapped it with his knuckles. Who's there? she called. Me, he said. May I come in? If you must, she said freezingly. He opened the door and stepped through. The overhead light shimmered off her hair and limbed her figure with shadows. His heart bumped. You, uh, you can come out now, he faltered. Everything's okay. She said nothing, only regarding him from glacy blue eyes. No harm's been done, except to me and Sparks, and we're not mad, he groped. Shall we forget the whole episode? If you wish. Ellen, he pleaded. I had to do what seemed right to me. So did I. He couldn't find any more words. I assume that I'll be returned to my own ship, she said. He nodded. Then, if you will excuse me, I best make myself as presentable as I can. Good day, Mr. Blades. What's good about it, he snarled and slammed the door on his way out. Avis stood outside the jam-packed saloon. She saw him coming and ran to meet him. He made swabbo with his fingers and joy blazed from her. My, she cried, I'm so happy. The only gentlemanly thing to do was hug her. His spirits lifted a bit as he did. She made a nice armful, not bad looking either. Well, said Armspaw, so that's the inside story. How very interesting, I never heard it before. No, obviously it never got into any official record, Misty said. The only announcement made was that there'd been an air accident and that the station tried to make counter-missiles out of scoop ships, but that the quick action of NASS Altair was what saved the situation. The captain was commended. I don't believe he ever got a further promotion, though. Why did you publicize the facts afterwards? Lindgren wondered. When the revolution began, that is, it would have made good propaganda. Nonsense, Missy said. Too much else had happened since then. Besides, neither Mike nor Jimmy nor I wanted to do any cheap emotion fanning. We knew the asteroids weren't any little pink-bottomed angels, nor the people back sunward a crew of devils. There were rights and wrongs on both sides. We did what we could in the war, and we hated every minute of it. And when it was over, we broke out two cases of champagne and invited as many Earthsiders as we could get to the party. They had a lot of love to carry home for us. A stillness fell. She took a long swallow from her glass and sat looking out at the stars. Yes, Lindgren said finally. I guess that was the worst, fighting against our own kin. 
Well, I was better off in that respect than some, Missy conceded. I've made my commitment so long before the trouble that my ties were nearly all but here. Twenty years is time enough to grow new roots. Really? Olaf was surprised. I haven't met you often before, Miss Blades, so evidently I've had a false impression. I thought you were a more recent immigrant than that. Shucks, no, she laughed. I only needed six months after the Altho incident to think things out. Resign my commission and catch the next belt-bound ship. You don't think I'd let a man like Mike get away, do you?